There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. A quote by Maya Angelou. That Didn't Go As Planned is a podcast that uses introspective storytelling to explain how our decisions shape and define our sense of power, perspective, and personality later on in our lives. All stories are based on true events that happen to the host of this show, Shannon Baylor Henderson. Hello out there. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast, That Didn't Go As Planned. I'm your host, Shannon Baylor Henderson, and I'm so glad that you have decided to take a listen to this episode. If you're new here, we're on episode number three of That Didn't Go As Planned, and I would encourage you to go back. It's not too far ahead. Go back and listen to the other two episodes to kind of get a feel for what I do here. Um, I'm still very excited about this storytelling podcast and the vision that I have for it and where it's going to go. And Weirdly, I guess I'm excited about telling you all all of my business. (laughs) You know, it's storytelling and telling my business with a purpose. There's a lot to learn by listening to someone else's story. And there's a lot of therapeutic um, moments, I guess, that happen for me in telling my own story. So this is a great um This is a great effort on my behalf, and I appreciate you for joining me as we go down this storytelling path. So let's get into today's episode. Again, I mentioned this is episode number three, and this episode I'm calling, What You Mean No? Okay, so you have to hear it and say it in the way that I describe it. What you mean? No. Okay. So I'm a, a mom, um, in in one of my many titles, right? I'm a mother. And when I was coming up with the topic for this podcast, what you mean? No, I instantly saw the faces of my children and the look that they give me when I say no, like, they're not as bold, you know, to to say what you mean, no, but the look on their face, that's what it says. It might say some other things, but you know, what you mean, no, the title of this podcast episode is all about dealing with rejection. So being told no is a bruise to the ego. There's no doubt about that, right? But it can also send you down a dangerous path of constantly wondering if you have what it takes to do the things that you want to do, you know? No is the ultimate rejection. And I'm going to talk about the numerous no's that I've received and what I learned from them and how it has shaped my personal perspective of myself. All right. So let's get into what you mean, though. I just love saying that. (laughs) So here's the backstory. If you're anything like me, being told no 
it just, it doesn't sit well with your spirit, right? No is not only rejection. It's a cause for a pause. It's a cause for a self-evaluation of sorts. And, you know, I'd like to think that I'm far past the age of publicly having temper tantrums when I can't get my way, but no still has a sting to it. Throughout my career, I've been told no over a hundred times. Some of those no's are polite and other no's are like a kick in the butt with steel toe boots, okay? When I got tired of hearing no, I decided to write my own rules for the game so that I could win it with more yeses. And I think ultimately, you know, the word no or the idea of no, it's a moment for you to say, well, how can I do this another way? Now, of course, in the past, no to me was like a fighting word. Like you could say some four letter words to me and I might not even get agitated by it. Like it might not affect me at all. But if you said no, like, again, it's what you mean? No, like, don't say that to me. (laughs) And it's not because I was spoiled or raised in a way that I always had a yes. It was the idea that I knew that whatever I was asking for permission for or trying to get acceptance for, that I worked really hard for it. So no was like a rejection of all of my hard work. It was a rejection and a dismissal of my efforts. And so I was extremely offended by no. And so what I've just come to realize is that you've got to change the rules of the game. Like if you're playing the game to win a yes and you keep getting no's, like don't stop playing the game, change the rules, change the board, you know, do something so that you can get a yes. And so that's what this episode is kind of going to take you down the path with me on is how I kind of started getting yeses. Now, In the past couple of episodes, I've talked about my path of becoming a writer or a storyteller, and that's a big part of my career. It's a big part of my life is, you know, being a writer, writing, storytelling, things like that. And so I kind of thought years ago when I started down this professional path of doing so, thought that being a talented writer with personality and a story to tell was all I needed to become the next editor-in-chief, the next contributing writer, the next poet laureate, or even a New York Times bestselling author. Turns out it takes more than a good story in becoming a well-known writer, right? So you, you say you want to be a writer, And you go get a notebook and a pen or a pencil, a typewriter, computer, whatever it is. And you're like, I got a story to tell. And you sit down and you write this story. And then you put it in the hands of someone. And you think because you took the time to write it, um, you double checked it, grammar, syntax, all of that stuff is correct. And you're presenting it with a smile and a catchphrase, something like I really hope you like it, or let's talk about what the next steps are. 
you think that that's going to open the door. And it doesn't. <laughs> like, it doesn't. Or maybe, you know, if you're a chef or a cook, right? You spend all your time with this recipe and you, you cook it up and it smells good. And, you know, you put your foot in this meal and you give it to someone on this plate and it's presentable and it represents you and your talent, your talent. And when they taste it, they just go, ah, it's good. Thanks. Or worse, they go, ah, needs more salt. Like, that idea of I've given my all or I've given the essence of who I am to deliver this to you and all you can say is eh or no, the audacity. <laughs> like, yeah, well, it turns out that you need more than just natural talent and a great smile and charisma to get what you want. Like, it's way more than that. It seems like it, you know, as seen on TV, but that's totally not the case. So, again, going back down this path of nurturing my talent and becoming the, the writer that I wanted to be, you know, I entered contests. I pitched to publications. I maintained an updated portfolio and I even posted my writing in the AOL chat groups. Y'all remember AOL in the chat groups, okay? That's how long I've been doing this. Like I was on AOL in the writers chat groups, like posting my writing, like paragraphs, chunks of writing. And the answers were still no, 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 no. Like, just no. It seemed like no one cared about the stories that I had to tell. No one cared that I was this writer that was trying to get on. Like, no one cared that I was up all hours of the night, wee hours of the morning, writing and editing and massaging this text to be this great thing. What you mean, no? Like, do you know what I put into this to give this to you. So, you know, thinking that the natural born talent and the personality and the effort was all I needed to get what I wanted. Yeah, just it, it totally wasn't the case. All right. So I decided, okay, maybe if I read and study more in addition to entering the contest and pitching to the publications and maintaining a portfolio and constantly sharing my work that I was going to get to those those top level goals, right? Editor-in-chief of a magazine that wasn't my own. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what that refers to, you got to listen to the first two episodes of this podcast where I talk about that that journey you know, becoming this contributing writer, this poet laureate, this New York Times bestseller, maybe if I read more, if I studied more, if I did more. I also thought perhaps if I could liken my style to that of my favorite authors, that I would get the yeses that I so desperately wanted or maybe even needed at that point. So I tried to write like Terry McMillan, you know, her works, Waiting to Excel, um, Disappearing Acts, 
countless others. I tried to write like Nikki Giovanni. I tried to write like Bell Hooks and Langston Hughes and even Francine Pascal. Now, again, you got to go back to the first episode where I talked about my love for Sweet Valley High novels. So I was even trying to write like her. And well, what happened was my work, it looked and it felt like I could be their ghostwriter. Right. So because I'm trying to liken my style to these famous authors who were where I wanted to be or had the acclaim that I wanted to have, I could liken my style to theirs. I'm like, oh, I can get what they've got or what they have. And instead, it just looked like I was their ghostwriter. There was too much of them in my work and not enough of me. Okay, so I could read the words that I had written and I could easily say, oh, that sounds like that's written in Terry McMillan's voice. That sounds like something Langston Hughes might say. Like I had infused so much of their style into mine that I couldn't even see myself anymore. And it all got trashed. I just I threw it away. I knew that it wasn't authentically representing my style, my voice. I just wanted what they had so much. I just wanted to be where they were so much that I was just willing to emulate them and their style because I just I wanted what they had. And you know that, you know, that the the same imitation is the most sincerest form of flattery. I think that's, I probably completely fumbled that one, but that just goes to show you Shannon can't imitate anyone. (laughs) It didn't work out. And so threw it all away. And another thing, um, I've been working on this one story for 17 years. Um, (laughs) It's a labor of love. And the most I've ever gotten, I've gotten to 100 pages. And then, guys, I lost all 100 typed pages when I lost the floppy disk that it was saved on. Y'all remember floppy disk, right? The three and a half inch floppies that you had to put into the computer and you had to turn a little knob. And this is if you are under... 30 something years old you have no idea what I'm talking about all of that work was saved on a floppy disk and I lost it 100 pages gone and I've rewritten that same story at least a dozen times in the past 17 years and I've trashed all of the versions of those stories and truth be told It's one of the reasons I relocated my family from D.C. to North Carolina so that I could sit on my wraparound porch and write what I think is my New York Times bestseller, the one that I've been chasing. Okay, so I'm doing all these things to chase this ultimate goal, right, to become a New York Times bestselling author. Side note, um. I had no idea that I would actually find and buy a house with a wraparound porch. When we moved here to North Carolina, we didn't initially live in this house that we live in now. So imagine 
my delight when my husband found this house and we bought it. So, you know, just as a sidebar, manifestation is everything. Like, I knew years ago I wanted to sit on a wraparound porch and write my New York Times bestseller. So I've got part of that dream done. I got the wraparound porch. Now I'm just waiting for the book. All right. So moving on with this whole what you mean no thing. All of the things that I attempted to do to get me to where I wanted to be all led me on a constant path of no. It was just no. Everywhere I went, no. No, we didn't select your entry to win the contest. No, we don't like your draft. No, we don't like your pitch. No, you don't have enough experience to have this writing position. No, um, we're not accepting any more entries or samples or drafts for this thing. No, this part of you doesn't match up with this part of what we're looking for. Like, no was ingrated into my writing path, it seemed like. It was just no. All of these no's were beginning to shape my self-perception, right? Perhaps this writer that I thought I was destined, destined to be was only as good enough to write for friends and family, you know? Perhaps that was my audience, my cousins, my, my friends, my aunts, my grandparents. Was was that as good as I was going to get? The people that typically always say, good job, congratulations, we're happy for you. I love all of them. And I love the positive reaffirmations that I get from them. But I wanted a bigger audience and had all these no's meant that that was going to be my core audience, was just family and friends. Or perhaps my stories were just too personal or they were too loosely constructed, or they were too weird and outlandish, or maybe even too common and normal. You know, perhaps my lack of using literary devices, or my refusal to build overly complex characters, or highly detailed storylines with straightforward plots. Maybe I was just too basic. Maybe that's why I was getting the nose, is that the writer I thought I was, I wasn't. Like, I started really changing the perception of my skill and my talent. And what's crazy about that is that the no's that I was getting, they weren't really constructive no's, you know, with constructive criticism like, oh, you need to change this, that, and the other, or oh, you need to focus more on this specific aspect of your writing. They weren't no's with a path that I could correct. They were just no's. Like, no, you can't have. No, you will not receive. No, you won't go. It was just a no. And so those no's just, they ate at me so much that I started looking at myself. Like, you're such an egomaniac that you don't realize that you don't actually have what it takes. Like, in your mind, you've built yourself up to be this person with this skill, but you don't really have it. 
You know, you're the most confident, non-skill-having person in the room. That's what the no's were doing to me. And I knew better. I had enough confidence in myself to know better, to know that what I believed about my skill and my talent was true. I just wasn't running into the right opportunities or I wasn't doing it the right way. But nonetheless, man, those no's hurt. They hurt bad. They hurt on purpose. <laughs> you know, they, they were hard to deal with. So I had to correct that. I had to do something to soothe the no and to get over it and to get to where I want to be. Like I knew that I could live in the no and just continue down this downward spiral of girl, you are not who you think you are and you're not going to be who you think you should be. I could stay in that space or like I said earlier in this backstory phase of it, of this podcast episode, I could change the game, right? I could be like, you know what? I'm not advancing enough in this game to feel like I'm going to win. So let's change the game or let me change the rules. And I said, I'm going to take control of my writing career. I decided that I would self-publish my own content and stop waiting for permission or validation from experts and strangers. Like, listen to that, right? A lot of our no's are coming from strangers, people that have no idea of the amount of effort and time, and tears, and ideas, and drafts, and concepts, and mistakes that we put into this work. They see it at first glance and go, eh, not for me, I'll pass. Strangers, or they're quote-unquote experts, right? And experts mean that they are used to a certain standard. They have gotten used to a certain way that things are, so they can't see things differently, The expert is used to seeing things a certain way. And so everything that's against that is wrong and incorrect. And these are the people who are telling you no, the experts and the strangers. Now, moving along, yes, the the agents and the big publishing houses and the publications could increase my visibility and the number of people who would read my work. But without all of that, right? It didn't mean that I didn't have a story to tell and that I wasn't a talented writer. Those people, those strangers, those experts were going to expand my platform, right? Give me a bitter, a bigger audience, give me more visibility, even add to my quote unquote credibility. But they weren't going to tell me that I wasn't a good writer and I didn't have a story to tell. All right. So we have to remember that with our talents and our skills is that the no's that we receive isn't because we don't have the talent. It's just that that expert and that stranger, we don't fit with that platform. So don't let them take away the the talent that you have or make them let them make you feel like you don't have the talent to begin with. And maybe that was, you know, I just needed that little confirmation and reaffirmation for myself right there. Moving along. In my effort of, you know, trying to change this game and win it so that I could get more yeses, I I thought to myself, instead of trying to be a professional writer of my own work, 
I could be a writer for hire. Changing the game, I'm changing the board, changing the pieces because I'm just trying to win. I'm trying to get a yes here. So instead of, you know, just trying to be the professional writer of my own work, I could embrace my artistry in a way that could pay the bills and nurture my time. I would become a writer for hire. And it's actually how I got started in this professional storytelling business. I began to get paid to help other people write and craft their stories when they didn't know how or didn't have the time or just needed the backup support, right? I had the talent. I had the craft. I had the skill set. I had the passion. It just was, I wasn't the vessel, you know, I wasn't the the I wasn't the the thing that was going to be put on at the moment. That didn't mean I didn't naturally have this ability. The nose I was getting was nose for Shannon's work. That doesn't mean I didn't have the talent. So I just had to switch it up a bit and I decided to use my talent for the sake of others. And that's how I got started with my first business um in writing for hire back in 2003. Okay, so by that time, I had been rejected so much um, that I just, I needed to do it differently. I had spent two years trying to be a professional writer and two years receiving no's consistently. Um, and I just, I, I, I knew that I had the talent. I was tired of the no's. I needed a yes. And so that's what I did. So what I can say about, you know, switching out the game and the pieces and the board is you come to this place after a certain amount of no's that you can't keep doing it the same way. Something has to change. Something has to be different. And sometimes it's looking in and, okay, I need to change this thing about myself or how I do it. Or sometimes it's looking out and saying, I need to change my audience and who I share it with. Sometimes it's doing both. But that's where a no will lead you. It leads you to a cause for a pause to say, I've got to do this a bit differently, even if it's only temporarily. I've got to do this differently. And for me, deciding not to focus on my own work and to focus on the work of others started bringing in income. It started allowing me to be my own boss. It allowed me to continuously to sharpen and hone that craft. It introduced me to storytelling from a completely different angle that I had never really considered. Like I was telling stories previously. I was telling stories through made up characters with made up voices in my own. With being a writer for hire, I was telling stories based on real characters who are my clients. And I learned to embrace other people's voices. I learned how to tell stories from other people's voices, real people voices in their dimension, in their character. And for me, that sharpened my storytelling craft even more. I also learned in this path 
of what you mean no, like not accepting no or accepting no and doing something differently with it, like switching the game to to win it. I learned that perhaps my path would be longer and more scenic to arrive at what I hope will be my ultimate career destination, which is, you know, becoming a New York Times bestseller. And perhaps all these back roads and ditches and out of gas moments were given more weight and experience and power to the stories I wanted to create. And for me, those back roads and ditches and out of gas moments were telling my telling stories that didn't belong to me. <laughs> those were my back roads and my ditches and out of gas. Like I had to get real comfortable with telling other people's stories and being their voice and writing according to other people like it wasn't about me anymore and what I saw and I I think like I said I I think it helped to sharpen and hone my craft more because it gave my characters dimension it gave my voice dimension like I started using literary devices differently I had to switch it up so much to write for other people and not sound like Shannon I had to create these characters and now like I I charge big bucks for what I do in storytelling for others and all of that rejection and no and those back roads and those ditches and those experiences have led me to a place where I have that specific skill set to charge what I charge and to do what I do. It came from all of those no's. So no for me is, was the, it catapulted me into yeses, right? I think that if I hadn't received those no's and created a a different path, I would still be in the same space that I was. I would still be trying to pitch and get permission from other people. Ultimately, I know I got to get back to pitching and I got to get back to sharing my work with other people in order to get to where I need to be. But I think if I had learned these critical skills that I have now and they were based on being told no so many times, I kind of like catapulted myself into this space of enhancing my skill set into the mindset of being a deeper, richer writer. I also catapulted myself into a higher income because we all know the whole starving artist thing. I, I spent two years trying to be a writer for two years. Those bills weren't getting paid. They weren't getting paid on time. They weren't getting paid in full. <laughs> they weren't getting paid, period. Like I was a starving artist and I those no's kept me starving because I was just looking for the permission and the validation. So I just kept going and kept going and kept going instead of figuring out a different path, instead of taking the time to say, how do I use my talents differently? All right. So ultimately, what I learned is that I had to take control of my ability to tell stories. I know deep down inside that I was born with the ability to write and tell stories. No one can take that from me. I feel like I was in my mother's womb with a crayon. Like 
writing, <laughs> etching in her womb. Like that's how deeply I believe I was born with this talent. And I know that it's one of the gifts that God gave to me. So how dare I leave it up to someone else's opinions or their permission or their personal power in their workplace, right? It is their job to decide who's going to be the next writer. That is a workplace power. (laughs) If your job is to pick and choose who's going to get to the next level, that's a workplace power. That is not this ultimate universal power. So how dare I leave it up to your workplace power or your personal level of power to tell me that I can't write or tell stories. All of that. I had to remove the permission and validation aspect of my dream from strangers and quote unquote experts. I also, or that also meant that I had to accept that my path would look different because I was removing that aspect of it, right? My path was going to look different. More importantly, what I ultimately want from this talent may not be what I'm supposed to have. I could be spending years chasing the wrong path, or I could spend years enjoying the path that I'm on using my talents to feed my spirit and my family (laughs) and to help others and then see where this path takes me. Like what if this whole time I'm chasing this New York Times bestseller status and that ain't even for me, right? (laughs) Like that's not even it. So I'm just learning to embrace the path that I'm on and seeing where it takes me. Do I still want that thing? Yes. Is it the crux of who I am? No. Is it going to define my talent as a writer? Will it elevate my talent as a writer? Yes, but it doesn't define it. So if I never achieve New York Times bestseller, I will be bummed because I wanted it so bad, but... I will get to look over this career path that I have and had when I look back and say, look at all that. (laughs) Look at all of that talent, all of that stuff. And just imagine, right, if that was the only thing I ever pursued and I never got it. When I look back, how would I feel? Now that I'm thinking about looking back, oh, the places my words and stories have been, man, I mean, it hasn't always been gratifying. Like I haven't always felt like super elated about being a writer for hire. I've had some resentment issues that I've had to kind of deal with. And half of the stuff that I've written doesn't even have my name on it. So, you know, at this point, I have written four books with my name on it. I have authored 36 ebooks with my name on it, but I've ghostwritten a dozen of books um, without my name on it. And I can't even begin to tell you how many scripts, how many articles, how many blog posts, how many um, TV plots, how many, I can't even begin to tell you how many speeches that I've written that don't even have my name on it. But my work has shown up in almost every place that I've wanted to see it. 
it's been on TV. It's been in books. It's been in magazines. It's been in newspapers. It's been in speeches. It's been on websites. Like my work has been several places. It's been domestic here in the U.S. It has been in China. It's been in Canada. My words have been some places. My work has been some places. Like I said, it, it may not have my name on it, which ultimately I learned the art of specificity, right? <laughs> so I said that I wanted my work to be in all of these places. Like years ago, I want to be on, I want my work to be on TV. I want my work to be in this magazine. I want my work to be in this newspaper. What I didn't say, the little detail that I forgot is that I also wanted my name to be attached to that work. <laughs> I didn't say that part. So specificity, being specific is highly critical when you are throwing your dreams out there and trying to manifest it, okay? But now I know. I'm very specific about where my work goes and what is on that byline. <laughs> I'm very specific now. I'm hoping that you, you gain some insight here, right? And ultimately, what I've learned, and I'm hoping that you're learning or have learned um, throughout this, po this podcast episode, is that no is a cause for a pause, right? It's an opportunity for you to think of another way to do things. And Sometimes your no is because you're headed down the wrong path. And again, another analogy, because that's just what I do. <laughs> when a road is closed, right? I want you to imagine right now being in a car and you're headed towards this destination and you see that road closure sign right in front of you. I know it irritates the heck out of me. It sends me into a panic. But you see this road closed ahead of you, this sign that says road closed. You can do one of two things, right? You can, number one, look at the road closure and spend a bunch of time trying to figure out how to get around it, right? You can complain about how this has messed up your plans and you can get frustrated and wish for things to be different. You can even attempt to push your way through that road and it isn't ready for you and you bring yourself more danger because you aren't adequately prepared for what's ahead. You can do that. Right, you can take that car down that road and it's unpaved. There are big old holes in it. There's some sharp tools that the construction workers left behind. Like you could really set yourself up for danger because because you believe this is the road that you're supposed to be on and you're going to go down it. Or number two, you can accept that this path isn't ready right now and you can take the detour. You can see and experience something new on this detour. It might take some more time, right? You might arrive late. Um, it, it might even make you anxious because you don't know where you're going. Oftentimes with detours, you go down a road you've never been. And so you don't know what it looks like. You don't know where you are. You don't know how you're going to get back on track. But there's always the fact that the closed road detour, that detour still allows you to get where you want to go or you can change your course altogether. Normally with detours, it's a longer route around, but you wind up still where you need to go. You still get to the path you need to be on or it's an adventure and you change your path altogether. All right. So that's what 
no's have done for me. So what you mean no, right? Like the whole attitude, the whole temper tantrum, the whole disposition, the whole stop telling me no. That has brought me to a new place of detour, change the game, change the plans, change the board pieces. I need to win. How do I get to yes? All right, folks. So I think that's it for me for this episode. I think I told the story that I needed to tell and I said the things that I needed to say. And we are wrapping up this episode called What You Mean No, right? I hope you say that to someone today. What you mean no? (laughs) Thank you for joining me on this episode and on this podcast. I appreciate every listen and every message that says you listened. I am very grateful for that. I look forward to seeing what the next episode has in store for us. And again, I am your host, Shannon Baylor Henderson. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes of That Didn't Go As Planned as soon as they're available. Also, follow me on social media at Content Commanders and learn about my company by visiting www.contentcommanders.com. Until next time.